Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I'm Andy Dawson, pow pow pow. I'm Sam Lifty Delaney, so what? Uh, it's the top ten of the 50 greatest British moments that we've been doing over the past couple of weeks or so. Um, I mean, this is going to be a series of podcasts that will stand alone and live on forever, almost, I think, mm. um, yeah. as a slice of, of British history. Can you uh, but, see, people say that there's no such thing as the end of history, right? That history yeah. is always moving and returning. But I feel that in some <clears> ways we're drawing a line under history with this series of so. podcasts. I can't see anything happening after this that would surpass this top 50. Well, you're going to have to just call it history 2.0, aren't you, after this? Because it's yeah. going to be a, a different history, a lesser history. But <sighs> um, yeah, we're drawing a line under it. Um, and let's go. The top 10. Um, number 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number ten was the moment um, when TV presenter Ben Fogel was spiked uh, in a pub in 2013. His drink was spiked. Uh, it happened when he was in a pub in Gloucestershire, and uh, Ben describes it himself. Uh, the adventurer, it says, he says he was putting his children to bed after drinking at a pub in Gloucestershire when he flipped, <laughs> and he tweeted. <laughs> <clears throat> ben tweeted, whoever spiked my drink with mind-altering drugs and put me in A&E with a psychotic fit, did you think of the damage you would cause? <laughs> I, put it to you, I put it to you that, yes, they probably did. Yeah, they, the exactly. they Do you know anything about spikers? <laughs> spikers do it precisely because they know what's going to happen. Uh, so, you uh, spike yeah. a drink thinking, hopefully this will have no effect. Ben went on and said, uh, it said, Ben says he tried to jump out of a window and had to be restrained by his his wife. He says, I was ranting, marching up and down, hitting walls, trying to jump out of windows, he added. <laughs> he says, Legend. he says he is. He has never taken recreational drugs and he felt as if he was having an out-of-body experience. Uh, Fuck me. I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience here. Ben's Ben's wife, Marina, and the couple's friends say they managed to lock him in a room while they waited for an ambulance to arrive. Lock him in a room! Lock him in a room! (laughs) Till the ambulance arrives. I can't look at this. I can't bear to see it. Lock him in a room until he calms down. He was then sedated in hospital and kept in overnight. Before he was released, um, Poor there's ben more Fogel. to this story. I'm just looking it up. More, there's more to this story. Um, I'm pretty sure he mistook his child for a grain of rice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I found it. I found it. He said. <laughs> he said. He said. I picked my daughter up and she felt incredibly light, like a grain of rice. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think he also tried to climb into a suitcase. I'm not sure about that. That might be a false memory. But, I'm going to um, climb in his suitcase <laughs> <laughs> and send myself on holiday. Oh, yeah, there's more of it here. There's more of it in, in another newspaper report at the time. He says, I was acting like a madman. I thought I was doomed. I thought I was going to die. Um, my wife ran out and my friends had to restrain me. Uh, it says, he even began impersonating Monty Python's Ministry of Silly Walks routine. <laughs> <laughs> That's how people who've not taken acid imagine what, uh, what happens to everyone when they take acid. You just start doing the Ministry of Silly Walks. Doing daft stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do feel so sorry for them. I mean, uh, you, you can. Yeah. You, you, I know people who've been spiked with acid and have mm. never bounced back. Yeah, yeah, I imagine but hallucinogens are really dangerous things, and if and it's bad enough if you go into it thinking, well, I know what I'm getting into here, and then presumably I've never done acid myself. It's it the drug that I'm. I'd much sooner fucking inject heroin into my eyeballs and take what? acid. Yeah, this is it. You've seen people in the past who have, you know, not come back. You're like Sid Barrett and like Peter Green and yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, yeah. Like people don't come back. Um, I know I know a bloke yeah. who's never come back from be and he got spiked. He worked in the kitchen in a restaurant and they mm. and, and as banter, the chefs so one of the other chefs spiked him with acid and it's still to this day hell. he's got so, like pretty pretty far out like mental health issues and so you shouldn't spite people especially not with acid that said Ben Fogel although my sympathies are with you I I feel that we can laugh because you did recover as far as I know and it is despite all of that fucking hilarious he's the best uh, person Ben Fogel of all people because he's such a goody two shoes like Ben Fogel on acid that's a TV show that I'd want to see do you know what I mean yeah um, yeah he says the final quote I found is yeah, they had to lock the doors and restrain me from hurting myself I wanted to throw myself on a glass table and through a window it, it went from scary to comical I was trying to get into bags <laughs> <laughs> hello NHS hello yes can you describe your symptoms well um, <laughs> let's see now I've been I, I, well first of all do you have a temperature? No, my temperature is stable. I have been trying to get into bags. Oh dear, that sounds serious. You better come into A and E immediately. It says, as a result, he spent three days having tests on his heart and brain and being seen by psychiatrists. He said, I spent the last few days genuinely worrying that I was going crazy. When you go through this and don't know why, you start questioning your sanity. Mm. But five doctors have now concluded it was almost certainly drugs. <laughs> Five now, doctors. Good news. We have a, we have a, we have come to a conclusion, and we're going to let you out of hospital today. We're going to discharge you. We have concluded that it was almost definitely, probably drugs, and that's just not. Don't take just my word for it. I got four other doctors out back who'll back me up. I want a fifth opinion. Ah, <laughs> oh, so there we are. Great stuff. Um. Onwards, number nine in the list. George Michael inevitably turns up in the top ten because he's in the top ten of everything, George Michael. Uh, And this was uh, the incident when he was also off his nut and he crashed into a branch of Snappy Snaps close to his home in London. (laughs) I mean, you're right. There's a number of different George Michael moments that could have gone in here. Um, he, he was a man who was a, a walking, talking top 10 British moment. 
he lived out loud, didn't he? Every moment of George Michael's life was like a top 50 moment in British history. So, yeah. But we had to pick one and plough it, get, get in stuck. The other good thing about George Michael, I don't know why. I think it's wrong to drive intoxicated under it, the influence of anything. But it is. It, it is funnier that he wasn't pissed. He was <clears> stunned <throat> and, <throat> and rammed a Range Rover into Snappy Snaps down the high street. Fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How that man just... never got a knighthood, I've no fucking idea. At the time, he was described as being sweaty and spaced out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck to him. And Snappy Snaps, that branch, um, then ended up becoming uh, an impromptu shrine after George died, which, of course, he died on Christmas Day, didn't he? In 2016. He did, he did. At the did. very end and of that, that horrific is year. An awful, awful memory, really, isn't it? I mean, it was really bad. Actually, the 2016 Celebrity Cull could have been in this top 50 list because, you know, so many celebrities died in 2016. It just went on and on and on and on. You had oh, like no. Carolina Hearn, Victoria Wood, George Michael Prince, Prince. Uh, Muhammad Ali, Alan Rickman, Terry Wogan. You know, there were so many. It was non-stop, right? He lost uh, count. Parfit. It was yeah. non-stop right through the Ronnie end. Corbett. Yeah. Ronnie Corbett. Ronnie Corbett. Yeah, that, yeah, of course. That was when I first appeared on your talk radio show. Having to do yeah. an impromptu tribute to Ronnie Corbett. It was breaking news, wasn't it? Andy, um, Andy, I need you to do a Corbett imprint. I need you to do a tribute to Corbett. Pronto. No, no fucking problem, Sam. Here we go. You, you're going to have to busk it. We're going live in three, <laughs> two, one. <laughs> but they all fucking died. They all died in 2016. And you had all these arseholes in the, in the media going, yes, well, I think you'll find this is how it's going to be because we're now at a period when oh, uh, yeah. the, the, bur- the outburst of celebrity... Uh, is now uh, leading to these deaths. It's like, fuck off. Lots of these the cultural commentary, you can Lots of these have died in their early 50s and stuff. This isn't isn't how it's going to be. Prince wasn't supposed to fucking die, or George Michael. They were well young. Yeah. They all fucking died in 2016. If Prince was still... Prince would have... But on average, Prince was fucking knocking out about 40 albums a year. We'd have another fucking... We'd have had another 200 albums out of Prince by now. Yeah. Yeah. So, and of course, it wasn't true that it was always going to be like this. It was a completely freak year. And I think 2016 Celebrity Cull could have been in this list because it was the year when celebrities were attacked. They were attacked by an actual year. Is that possible? Fuck knows, but it happened. 2016. I don't know what Nostradamus said about 2016, but it was also the year of the Brexit vote. So And Trump getting elected. Fuck me. A lot of fucking lot weird things there. happened. Yeah. Um, anyway, George Michael crashing into Snappy Snaps. That's number nine. Number eight, uh, Grinch Hill. Now, there could have been all kinds of various incidents from Grinch Hill. Uh, that time when the kid drowned in the swimming pool. The time when Danny Kendall died in the car. The time that Roland found found Zamo um, taking heroin. Smack. Um, yeah. But th- there's too many to choose one from, so we've gone for a symbolic one. And the greatest moment in Grinch Hill history, we've decided, is in the opening titles when that sausage appears on the end of a fork from nowhere. It's and absolutely everyone, lovely. And everyone around sort of looks startled by it. And I was startled the first time I saw that. It's like, you know, what the fuck's this? Well, but most of us <clears throat> saw Grinch Hill for the first time when we were still at primary school. Mm. And when you were at primary school, especially in those days, I don't know if it's the case these days, but when you are at primary school... 
the thought of secondary school fucking terrified you. Yeah. Right? You thought it was like, childhood was like this. You're going to have an all right time now until you're 11. But when you're 11, all of this is going to stop and we're going to put you into St. Quentin prison. Right? Yeah. It, that's what it. That's what you're, you're going to be in an environment that is like the world's most horrific prison yard, right? That is what you are led to believe, and then you watch Grange Hill, and it does nothing to fucking quell those fears whatsoever. It makes them worse, and mm-hmm. everything you see in Grange Hill, you're like fucking hell, heroin, fighting, Roland, gunch, mm-hmm. <laughs> unscrupulous <laughs> playground entrepreneurs. <laughs> Chris Stepson. I've told you before about my first day at comprehensive school because the comprehensive I went to had a sixth form as well. So we're all yeah. in the playground on day one and there's these sixth form men and some yeah. of them had moustaches. Yeah, yeah. Because they were old enough to grow a moustache back then. This is 1982. And moustaches were, you know, as de rigueur, as I think they're becoming again now. You were legally allowed to grow a moustache at 13. I mean, yeah, obviously it changed under yeah. New Labour. And they but, were like six foot tall. And it was like, yeah, what the hairy, fuck is this? Smoking yeah. fags or yeah. pipes in some cases. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is this? Yeah, oh, it was terrifying. Yeah. To, you shouldn't be thrown in. I mean, like, like you say, you're still a child and there are men everywhere and it's fucking scary. But the sausage in Grange Hill, because I would watch it, and this is genuine, that bit with the sausage, you sort of think... You're there and you're thinking this is a cartoon rendition of what it's like at a mm. comprehensive school, right? At the, a, a school just like the one I'm about to start. And in it, it is such an anarchic and dangerous atmosphere that a, another person, a pupil, can get a sausage, a whole sausage on the end of a fork and just mm. fucking lunge into a group mm. of other children yeah. with it. There's people yeah. lunging about... With sausages on the end of forks, trying Why? to do what I don't know, but it's fucking I mean, it, mad. It, it's anarchy. It, it's mayhem. It begs the question. Also, why would anybody waste a sausage like that? Because the other thing about that sausage, which we all know, is that it looks fucking delicious, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's just... shiny. It's glistening with fat. It's meaty. Yeah. It's just. It's a perfect oh. looking sausage. And yeah, part of you does think, what kind of madhouse is this where people are wasting sausages? If I had a sausage like that for lunch, that would be heading nowhere other than my guts. Straight into your guts, hidden in your guts forever. I mean, you and didn't I, I get even, sausages at school dinners anyway. It was too luxurious to get a sausage. I wouldn't even want to, I wouldn't even want to shit it out. I'd want it to stay in my guts forever. Yeah. It's such a good sausage. Well, if it was a Richmond sausage, it probably would. Apparently, a Richmond sausage takes up to two decades to decompose in your guts. (laughs) But that's the way I like a sausage. It's more value for money, isn't it? Well, I mean, this is it with sausages. I used to work with someone who'd worked in it as the sausage uh, processing plant. Compound. uh, When she was younger and she went, nah, no more. I'm a a vegetarian now after seeing what I saw in that facility. Yeah. She wouldn't speak about it. It was it was her Vietnam, really. Well, you know, um, I'm vegetarian now, and sausages, as you know, in my pre-vegetarian days, was, were my favourite thing. So it was the worst thing to mm. give up. But just as when I gave up drink, a load of new zero percent beers came on the market. Again, 
I gave up meat, and now it used to just be like fucking Linda McCartney sausages. Now there are fucking all sorts of different veggie sausages, and veggie sausage technology has mm. moved on so much. It'll never look as nice as a meat sausage, but right. they're, 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 they are tasty. They're fine. Good. And you know you're Glad not necessarily that. eating cock. Yeah. yeah. Pig cock. Pig cock. Mmm, delicious mm. pig cock. God, I miss it. <laughs> Number seven, uh, we're back in 2016 again and another celebrity death and it's the death of David Bowie, but it's not the actual death itself. It's something that happened uh, a day or two afterwards in the celebrity Big Brother house that was running at the time. Uh, and of course, Bowie's first wife, Angie, was uh, in the house and somebody passed on the news to her in the diary room that David Bowie had died. Yeah. Um, and she obviously reacted borderline hysterically She's very upset. And the first person she came across was Tiffany Pollard. I can't even remember why Tiffany was famous. But um, <laughs> Tiffany uh, asked Angie if she was okay. Angie wasn't okay. So she um, went to the couch with Tiffany. And uh, Angie eventually managed to get the words out that David is dead. Now, of course, Tiffany didn't realise that she was referring to David Boy. She thought mm. that uh, she was referring she? to their fellow housemate, David Guest, who'd been ill yeah. in bed for the previous day. Yeah. So Tiffany has an incredible fucking historical breakdown. Uh, <laughs> she thinks David Guest has died in the house. She doesn't realise it's Boy. Um, and there it all is. You've got to watch it. It's one of the best moments of television I think there's ever been in any series. <laughs> It's just so... You couldn't fucking write it. You just couldn't write it. It's so good. The fact that the fates... The fates conspired for David Guest to be ill in bed and then for David Bowie to die and for this to all happen within the confines of the celebrity Big Brother house. It's another one of 2016's glorious tricks. Well, like you said, there were mysterious forces at play in 2016. Definitely. And that's just another example. And you've got the likes of Darren Deer... Uh, Daniela Westbrook in there as well for the fallout of this it was just you know incredible and poor Tiffany Pollard I don't think she's ever been the same since I can't imagine I don't know she who she is but so you say why was she famous no. well how could you not be famous with a name like Tiffany Pollard to be fair yeah crying out in it crying out for fame mm. so there we go I think that's probably when Big Brother had to die after that that's probably the incident they thought Big we've Brother. got nowhere we can't go any further with this no it's no, reached its peak. Uh, on number six in the chart, and this is uh, John Smeaton, um, the Glaswegian who punched a terrorist in Glasgow Airport. Uh, and and in... the context is important here, really, isn't it? Because it was around the time, it was in the post-9-11 era when we were all on high alert for yeah. um, terrorist attacks and, and everyone, especially in places like airports, lived in fear, a, t- a state yeah. of, of, of complete anxiety at all times that some sort of really elaborate terrorist attack was about to play out. Yeah. But not this cunt. He wasn't worried, was he? <laughs> he was the hero we didn't know we needed. But he was there. He was a baggage handler at Glasgow Airport um, I'll just read from a newspaper report at the time what happened. Smeeto was on a, a, a fag break when uh, the <laughs> terrorist uh, Bilal Abdullah targeted the airport, 30th of June 2007. Um, he drove a dark green Jeep Cherokee packed with gas canisters at the terminal's glass doors, setting it alight. 
Um, oh yeah, there's another guy, Kafiel Ahmed. It was the other word. Ahmed then turned himself into a human fireball, uh, mm. and he did eventually die a month later of his injuries from his burns. Um, so Smeaton was having a fag break, and he saw the burning jeep, and he he heard three explosions, and he's quoted as saying, "What's the score? I've got to get this sorted." I thought that's not right, and ran over to assist. All that was going through my mind was, I've got to help the policeman. I'm not letting these guys get away with this. Uh, and he shouted, fucking come on then, and aimed a kick in the testicles at Cafe Cafe Ahmed, <laughs> who literally died from his 90% burns. <laughs> and Smeet shot the fame, and I think he got a medal. Yeah, he but did. Wasn't, what, what, in the interview afterwards, wasn't his classic phrase, this is Glasgow, we'll set about you. This is Glasgow. We'll set. We'll just set a boat you. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've always thought they should adopt as like their sort of slogan for tour, for you know the tourist board. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you should have it. They should have it at the airport when you arrive and you you know you're getting off the plane. That's what they should have on all of their branding. Yeah. Is this is Glasgow? We'll set a boat. We'll set a boat. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are, John Smeaton. Punched a burning terrorist or kicked him in the balls. Kicked him in the nuts. Yeah. And just, it's a lesson for all of us kids. If you do see a terrorist, especially a burning one, mm-hmm. um, don't don't be a shitbag. Just kick him in the balls. Simple as I that. I think it's the best way because you, you, your leg with the foot on the end is furthest away from yourself at that point, isn't it? The mm. furthest extended point yeah. possible. So you're less likely to catch fire yourself. Exactly. If you, if you and, go for and, a punch. And, you know, a lot of shoes, most shoes these days are um, fire resistant, flame resistant. I, I spray are, yeah. all of mine. I spray all of mine with fire, fire resistant spray, spray before I go out because you never yeah, know. When you're going to have to kick a terrorist in the balls while mm. it blaze. Jalapeno. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Jalapeno. Number five, uh Bielsa. Spies on Lampard. 
Mm. Um, I can't remember when this was, probably about 2018, but this was the moment when Frank Lampard became the Frank Lampard that we know and love. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously I always knew that that was the real Frank Lampard. You could tell because he just took him. There was a look on Frank Lampard's face from day one. And remember, I would have seen him make his debut. You know, I saw him right mm. from the start of his career. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and right from the beginning at West Ham, he had uh, the look of what we would now call a Lampard about him. Mm. He looked like we knew that he'd gone to this posh school. We knew that he was a daddy's boy, right? And the main thing was was that he was completely humourless, which is the worst crime of all, taking yourself deadly serious. And Frank always <laughs> took himself dead, dead serious. And to be fair to him, that's one of the reasons why he became one of the greatest footballers of his generation, right? There's no mm. denying brilliant footballer and massive success. And I think he was driven because he had that sort of, you know, that kind of seriousness about him. He didn't have natural talent as such. But um, I knew from the beginning, I always knew he had this in him and I was just waiting. I spent years waiting for him to, for the mask to slip and for him to reveal himself. And what's good about ever since he freaked out, ever since Bielsa tipped him over the edge, he's, it spiralled from there, hasn't it? It wasn't like just one moment of him being Lampardy. Since then, yeah. I mean, not a day goes by without someone tweeting us a new incident of Lamparding by yeah. Lampard. <laughs> and, it and, was, and what uh, I think is, in, in our list of top 50 moments, there's a few moments, and there's even at least one still to come, um, where they're great British moments that have been created by outsiders, foreigners, who've come in and applied <laughs> their own this and that sort of, yeah. you know, philosophy and ideals <laughs> to our slightly Lampardy convention and rule-obsessed society and just <laughs> cause mayhem in the process. So that's Cantona doing a kung fu kick, Bielsa spying on Lampard, and there's one, if you can imagine, still to come in this list, that, that trumps all of them. Trumps but a lot of them, yeah. in, in every case, they're united by the this and that attitude of a foreigner basically sending the British public into an absolute fucking frenzy. I mean, that's the thing. It's not so much the incident itself, it's what it led to in this case, it's isn't reaction. it? It's, what it, it's, yeah, it's yeah. The, the genie coming out of the bottle. Um, and I'm looking at a, a Guardian piece about it, and then there's a, some links to some other stories about the Spygate thing at the bottom. And this, I'm not even going to click on it because I don't need to know anymore, but the headline is... I'd rather not coach than use spy tactics, says Lampard, after Derby lose at Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather give it all up than become a spy. If people say that you have to spy now to be a manager, then I'll go and do something else like work in a city bank. <laughs> or a shoe shop. Or a haberdasher's. <laughs> and, um... I'm looking at it. Uh, Pochettino at the time des- described it as not a surprise. Uh, Pochettino not a surprise. Was, 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 B- was Bielsa's like disciple, wasn't he? And yeah. Played under him. Um, and Pochettino says there is nothing wrong to try to find information and know a bit more about what the opponents are doing. This happened 30 years ago in Argentina. Not only Marcelo, all the managers were like this. Here, maybe it is a little bit weird, but in Argentina, it happened. It's not a big <laughs> issue or a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> that's and my as, way of saying calm down pussycat and as you've just as you've just hinted at this is not the last time in this list where we're going to be talking about Argentina getting one over England with underhand tactics 
<laughs> what I think is they say that for every yin there has to be a yang, right? And you cannot <laughs> exist, you know, like um, you know, Holmes Sherlock Holmes could not exist without Moriarty, right? Uh, and, yeah. and Argentina is our Moriarty, and I feel that the Argentinian influence or impact on the British is always a brilliant one because it it brings out the most hilarious side <laughs> of the British public. <laughs> I've got a very lengthy quote here from Lapard after Leeds beat Derby in the match itself. Here we go. <clears throat> I don't think that at any level of sport it's right to send men to break into private property. It's, <laughs> uh, it's a cultural thing, but I was very surprised by it and by the frank admission he's done it before. Cheating is a... <laughs> yeah, I've done it before. Che- I'd do it again. <laughs> Cheating is a big word, but this is over the line. I spent 50 hours watching tapes of Leeds game this week and that's what the best managers do. I was I was a fan of Bielsa's from afar, but I'd rather not coach than send people undercover on their hands and knees in the undergrowth. <laughs> Actual <laughs> quotes there from Frank Lampard. Unbelievable. Fuck I mean, hell. I didn't know those full quotes. That is like stuff no. that is beyond parody. Oh God. You can't go you can't pay you can't pay money without an invoice. It's simply illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it's against the law. Uh, Lampard then went on to rail against p- poor administrative practices in Leeds United's accountancy and bought ledger departments. <laughs> While I've got you here, I'd like to talk about correct invoicing procedures. <laughs> oh, God. So there, that's number five in our top 50. Number and now four. we're into the big four. The four, the four greatest moments to have ever happened in the history of this wonderful country. Yeah, number four, 1817's Brian Harvey uh, running over himself after eating too many jack of potatoes. Mm. Uh, he reversed over himself, didn't he? And we've covered this yeah. before. And I can't remember why we covered it before. Was it part of... Well, why wouldn't we have done? We'll cover it again as well. This yeah. won't be the last any of you hear of Brian Harvey running himself over because it's one of the best things to have ever happened. Uh, no, not to a... Brian Harvey, obviously, because it was really worrying, but yeah, thank God. Yeah, he got seriously injured. Yeah. Thank God he it's pulled terrible. through, didn't run himself over and kill himself. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's got the lot. He he, he put it in... He, he'd eaten, I can't remember, I think it was three jacket potatoes with tuna yeah. mayo. Yeah. And it's a, a lot of people said that it's the, it was the tuna mayo is very, you know, you have to know that there was they were tuna potatoes. They weren't just normal yeah. butter or cheese yeah. ones. Yeah, uh, I mean the tuna because it's very rich. If you mixed, if you mixed a sort of very oily, meaty fish like tuna with mm. a big dollop of mayonnaise, which is presumably what had been done, mm. and then you combine that with all of the starchy potato, that's gonna that's got a high. If you eat three of those, Andy, whoever you are, even if you're Hercules the bear, it's going to have an, a fucking bad impact on your like on your state of mind. I mean, even if even if the the tuna or the mayonnaise or both were on the turn slightly, that that can trigger what happened oh, quite easily. Because yeah. what happened was he, he yanked open his car door to vomit while driving down a cul-de-sac, <laughs> uh, and he was tossed from his seat and crushed underneath his speeding car. Um, yeah, shattering his pelvis. It's so easily done. It's so easily done. He shouldn't. Um, he shouldn't. Um, if you're going to be sick, 
you know, just find the time to stop the car. Mm. Don't try and be sick out of a moving vehicle because there's a number of things that can go wrong. So I'm, I, he was reversing, I think. And he said, it said, instead of putting my foot on the brake, I put it on the accelerator and it flew back. Um, I must have hit four or five parked cars. It must have thrown me out of the car. Um, I mean, he was in a coma for several weeks when it happened. It was massive. He says, my stomach was pushed into my lungs, which collapsed. Uh, I was told the heel of one of my feet was found up around the back of my head. Wow. Um, You know, he'd made suicide attempts before then, Brian Harvey. He was open mm. about that. Um, yeah. But this wasn't an attempted this suicide. Wasn't. This was as just an said, accident. As he said on GMTV, if you were going to commit suicide, you wouldn't do it like this. Mm. You wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't right. eat three big potatoes then reverse over yourself. <laughs> but um, It's not the first yeah. thing you think of, I don't suppose, when you're considering how to take your own life anyway. No, but then I suppose... So that's number four. You go into a dark place when that sort of thing happens. But uh, yeah, that's number four. Number three is another Harvey. It's Katie Price's son, Harvey. And this was him on TV. Um, shall we just play the clip for yeah. this one? Say hello. You say hello? Yes. If someone says something horrible to Harvey, what does Harvey say? Hello, you can't. Uh, Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that was on Loose Women. I, I think, think it was on it Loose was. Women. I think it but was, like yeah. Katie Price, what I like about—I mean, I love Katie Price. She's amazing. I—I I, I would have, if it had been a top hundred, I think we would have just found room for like one place, we which could, was simply Katie yeah. Price, right? Because her antics, that, yeah. her antics are sensational, and. um What's funny is the way she goes, ah, Harvey. Harvey. And even though it's on TV, she can't help but grin broadly. She knows how funny. He's got a big grin on his face because he's done it. He knows what he's up to. I say, hello, you can. Hello, you (laughs) can. the way he says it. (laughs) Hello, you can. (laughs) That, for me, um, it's third in our list. Is it the greatest TV yeah. moment of all time? Depends how you well, categorise it, but it was absolutely sensational. Absolutely uh, mind-blowing. Watershed moment. Nothing's been the same since. Well, it's not the greatest TV moment because I would say the greatest TV moment is number two in the list. Mm. And it is a very short clip, which we d- did on Twitter a while ago. It's Mr. Blobby entering the room. I think, is it in this morning? It's hard to tell where it is. It looks like the sort of set you get on something like Saturday Saturday Kitchen kitchen. or something like that. It's like a sort of a twee kitchen-based set. And Blobby, I mean, it's just impossible to do it justice with words, but the simple way to describe it is the the set is empty. Blobby walks through the door with this extremely confident swagger about him, a big, his trademark grin plastered across his big pink face. And he just breezes across the room, casually smashing things as he goes on his merry way. And that I mean, is there's, it. There's, there's there's double doors, double glass doors. He's got one hand on each of the doors. He just pushes <laughs> them both open yeah. and they bang against <laughs> sides. He then, I'm looking at it now, he then strides into the room. He sees a bunch of flowers in a vase to his left, 
they just get swiped straight off the bench yeah, with his left hand without, bit. without breaking stride. He doesn't even they look go, at them, really. He's just no, like, they're gone. He doesn't, he's looking straight ahead. He doesn't yeah. look at them. There's a table with three or four uh, chairs around it. He walks through the chairs. He doesn't walk <laughs> around them. He makes he's no like, attempt I'm not to get fucking getting them. out of the way for those chairs. I'm the a busy chairs, bloke. The chairs clatter into each other. The flowers are on the floor, and then it goes off to wherever it is he's going. He keeps going, and that's what I like about it as well. There's a mystery to it. You think, yeah, he's definitely a man on a mission. He's got somewhere he needs to be. He's got somewhere he wants mm. to be. He hasn't got time for anything stopping him or getting him in, in his mm. way. And he's going there with complete focus and determination, but we never know where that place is. Yeah. And that is what lends this clip something extra special. When this was yeah. sent to us as part of our request for the mm. ultimate all right cunts moments. Yeah. It was sent, I'll, oh. I'll name check him, it was sent in by Greg LUFC1919 on Twitter. Yeah. Well, Greg, you did a great thing because I'd, I've always been a fan of Blobby, but I'd never seen this clip before. And since you sent it to us, I think I, I, think I watched it more than 100 times in one day. I, I, and I and it never got less funny. It actually always gets more funny. I've got a problem with things like Strictly Come Dancing, right, mm. and choreographed dancing. I mm. can't bear to watch it. I like dancing myself. I can't dance, but I like doing it. Mm. And I like to see other people dancing and enjoy themselves, expressing themselves. Mm. But when it's choreographed to the nth degree and everyone mm. knows what they're going to be doing, I just can't be doing with it. It's just, I, mm. I can't watch it. Yeah, I know what this, you mean, because by definition, it's contrived. Yeah, this is better than anything you will ever see on Strictly Come Dancing in terms of its grace, its power, the precision. The expressiveness. The, the, vase, the vase going off. It's a it's a beautiful combination of... It's um, like to get tickets Anakin to go and see grace. the Royal Ballet. My mum's always going mm. to the Royal Ballet, but it's fucking expensive. And mm. I would say you can get more out of watching this clip of Blobby than you would go and see Swan Lake or one of them. Totally, totally, and you don't even leave the house. It's it's uh, mm. lockdown friendly. So there we go. Uh, yeah, that's number two. So that, by definition, is the greatest TV moment. Number one in the chart did appear on TV, but it wasn't a televised. A tele, it was being televised. It was a sporting moment, of course. The greatest moment in British history is Diego Maradona's handball in the nineteen eighty six World Cup uh, for Argentina versus England. Um, nothing tops it. Nothing at all tops it. No, we discussed right it there. recently at great length. It was. I mean, it even inspired a, a ZX Spectrum computer game called Peter Shilton Handball Maradona. Such <laughs> was its. Such was its fucking ubiquitousness. And if that doesn't mark it out as the greatest British moment of all time, I don't know what does. It's marked out. Uh, it's divided the nation. Into the ninety-seven percent and the three percent, yeah, more than anything else has. It's still to this day the fact that it still upsets people, and it still upsets Peter Shilton, is just <laughs> just tantamount to its its power, and its majesty. The force, yeah. Maradona should not be blamed at all. The referee and the linesman they should take all of the blame. Yeah. Maradona did what he did. And it was Shilton, up to them. if there's and a Shilton, blame ladder. Then at the top is the referee, followed by linesman, followed by Peter Shilton, and mm. right down the bottom is Maradona. Right down the bottom, right at the bottom, on the ground, holding the ladder up, or giving it a shake, I suppose. Yeah, yeah he it's did normal. what he did. It was up to them to catch him, and they didn't. 
Yeah, uh, great underline of British uh, of, of English hypocrisy as well. You English, saw Maradona yeah. at a uh, press conference in Scotland a few years ago and was asked if he understood why English players were still angry about the incident. And he said, usually when asked about it, he laughs it off or he, he changes the subject or he says, oh, well, these things happen, never mind. This time he obviously wasn't in the mood, but he also knew he was in Scotland and that they <laughs> love a bit of anti-English sentiment. And he said, listen, England won the World Cup by scoring a goal that never crossed the line. <laughs> And then he said, and in fact, it didn't cross the mind by load. And he was doing it with his hands and showing how much he was very exaggerating <laughs> the extent to which, like, uh, Jeff Hurst's goal didn't cross the line. And yeah. uh, he was going, so I don't think they've got anything to talk about. So obviously that went down very well in Scotland. But even to me as an Eastman, I thought, yeah, for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Why? You know, the, always, of course, worth remembering that just for good measure, he followed that goal up with the best yeah. cocaine goal of all time, probably the best World Cup goal ever, right? Which should have been enough to shut everyone up and go, yeah. look, if you yeah. didn't like the first one, here's the second one for you, cunts. Well, as, as someone did uh, recently after Maradona died, they, they put together a footage of all of the kickings that Maradona received mm. in that match from England players and said, well, is this cheating then? Because if that's cheating with a handball, yeah. this is cheating yeah, as well. Yeah. It's quite true. Totally Absolutely true. Absolutely fucking right. And why is it a great British moment? Well, I suppose in some ways it brought the other nations together in celebration, the non-English parts of Britain, right? And also it just taught the English, it it showed a certain side of Englishness that is one that we don't necessarily admire, but in some ways we celebrate it because it's just part of the fucking weird mix that we have here, right? It flushed out (laughs) the Lampards in in everyone. (laughs) I mean, when we were putting together this list, there were some of our Scottish listeners that were saying, I hope there's going to be some Scottish things on this list. Well, there you go. There you go. That one's for you, (laughs) right at number one. (laughs) Listen, in the top ten, you've got, this is Glasgow, we're set about you. And you've got (laughs) fucking England being cheated out of the World Cup. So what more do you want, Scotland? And and you've also got the most English man imaginable, Ben Fogel, being spiked and trying to buy the window. So, you know, it's all there for you. Um... (laughs) That's the that's the top fifty. That's it. We've enjoyed doing mm. this. Hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Don't at um, us. We don't want you. We don't want your opinions on what you think was wrong. No, you've had or plenty of opportunities to suggest things as well. Uh, yeah. And if your suggestion didn't make the grade, there's a reason for that. So I uh, think twice before you suggest stuff again. Uh, <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Hope you're enjoying your Christmas break, and you hope you enjoy the rest of it. And we'll be back with more new stuff in 2021. Au revoir, TTFN. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.